0: Subscribe now using promo code LIGHT24 to save 50% and unlock access to everything foreign policy has to offer. The Institute of Art and Ideas,
1: articles, videos, and podcasts. Hello and welcome to Philosophy for Our Times, the podcast that brings you the world's leading thinkers on today's biggest ideas. Is the standard model of particle physics fundamentally mistaken, and will the future of physics rest on brand new foundations. On today's episode, we're discussing the problems with physics's leading models. To help us debate the mystery of reality, we're joined remotely by CERN physicist John Ellis, theoretical physicist Sabine Hossenfelder, and award-winning science writer Jim Baggett. These
2: theories aren't actually theories, they're ideas. They're ideas that have been put forward by theoretical physicists that are no doubt extremely well-founded, but they're
1: ideas. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter, and head over to our website, iai.tv. Back now for our host for this week's discussion, David Malone.
3: At the heart of our understanding, of reality is physics, the cornerstone of science. But it appears to be in all sorts of trouble. For decades, it's been predicted that we would find supersymmetry, a set of parallel particles for all we currently understand to exist. It was supposed to be the solution to many inconsistencies and deep puzzles of our current theory. 10,000 scientists collaborated to build the Large Hadron Collider to find the evidence. But year has followed year, and no evidence of the predicted supersymmetric particles has been found so is supersymmetry dead and with it string theory the theory of everything and the life's work of many leading particle physicists is our underlying theory of everything the standard model fundamentally mistaken must we conclude that the whole framework of contemporary physics might be wrong and if so where can we turn for an alternative is supersymmetry dead john do you want to do you want to kick off for us
4: Okay, well, I'm, uh, I'm happy to try. Uh, s- so perhaps I better say right from the beginning that I'm not a sort of a supersymmetry ultra. Uh, my research interests have always focused on phenomenological aspects. I wouldn't say just of particle physics, but also uh, astrophysics and cosmology. And uh, so I- I'm kind of a sort of an opp- opportunistic uh, scientific primate who will pick up whatever tool is lying around in the hope of uh, being able to use it to uh, crack uh, what the debate title is called, the mystery of reality. So, so let me just sort of situate where we are currently with, uh, with particle physics, because uh, the question was raised whether the standard model is mistaken or not. It's not mistaken, but the standard model works perfectly fine. The issue is rather that the Standard Model leaves open a whole bunch of extremely important questions. Uh, Let me just mention one just to get started. That is dark matter. So the astrophysicists, the cosmologists tell us that there must be some additional stuff out there which gravitates, but we don't know what else, if anything, it does. And uh, I think it behooves us physicists to try to solve that mystery which uh, concerns, you know, far more matter than the actual visible matter that's described by the standard model. So the standard model is not mistaken. It has open questions. And for me, that doesn't mean to say that physics is in trouble. It means that there's a fantastic opportunity. Uh, I would also take issue a little bit with you saying that the LHC was constructed to find supersymmetry. It was constructed to do many things, one of them, of course, being to find the Higgs boson, which it did, and it continues to look for supersymmetry. Actually. Now, to, to come to the S word, <laughs> so, so I actually, actually checked my publications. So 15% of my publications have the word supersymmetry or supersymmetric in the title. And you know it reflects the fact that supersymmetry is one of the tools that I like to use to crack the mystery reality, but it's not the only one. Uh, So so, so why do I think that supersymmetry might be an interesting tool? It's not particularly because it's it's beautiful. I think that uh, something which works well is beautiful. I, I was interested, I think principally my interest was triggered by the possibility that supersymmetry could provide the dark matter. I was also interested in the way that supersymmetry could help us construct grand unified theories. And I'm also interested because supersymmetry enables us with certain assumptions to calculate correctly the mass of the Higgs boson. My interest has always been in practical aspects of supersymmetry. And that's actually one reason why I don't pay so much attention these days to strings. Now, back in the 1980s, I worked a bit on string theory and string model building, but I basically gave up on that because it seemed to be very difficult to make contact with reality. So anyway, there you are. I'm interested in theories that can help us understand the mystery of reality.
3: Thanks, John.
2: Jim? Right, so uh, my perspective on this whole debate um, is, is really just a question of... Uh, Very very simply, honesty and integrity. Particularly at a time like this, we're here having a virtual festival because of a pandemic that swept across uh, Europe and the US and is now sweeping across South America, where uh, the messages from our governments about following the science are fundamentally important for us as citizens to decide what it is we do and how we behave. And for this to work effectively, we've got to have some level of trust in scientists. Now, physics is the hardest of the hard sciences. Um, And and yet, and and I'm not pointing any accusing fingers at at John in, in this particular situation, but the very framing of this debate, as David has just given it, tells us that something fundamental has gone wrong because the standard model is not superstring theory and supersymmetry. The standard model is a set of so-called quantum field theories which work perfectly well, but as John says, are full of explanatory holes. Now, that's unsatisfying because we'd like answers to some of the questions that we we have about dark matter and uh, Higgs mass and other things. But as a result of the hype surrounding supersymmetry and string theory, for something like the last 30 or 40 years, there's now a great confusion, I think, amongst the general public of the status of these theories. These theories aren't actually theories, they're ideas. They're ideas that have been put forward by theoretical physicists that are no doubt extremely well-founded, but they're ideas and somehow as a result of endless streams of popular science books and documentaries and articles published in the popular press, we have this general idea that these these are the the theories that explain the nature of our reality. They do not. If you think of supersymmetry like a car, we we test drove this car at the Large Electron-Positron Collider years ago, we test drove this car at Fermilab in, uh, in, uh, in, in the U.S. We test drove this car around a 26-kilometer circuit called the Large Hadron Collider, and every time the car broke down. Now, we have a glossy brochure that tells us what supersymmetry will do for us, and you've got to make now make a choice. This car has broken down many, many times. Do you still believe what the glossy brochure about this car tells you? Or do you decide, in fact, that that's actually not a car, all you've got is the glossy brochure?
3: Thanks, Jim. Sabina?
5: Yeah, so I I think I would like to directly answer your question, is supersymmetry dead? Um, the answer is no, it, you could say it's undead, uh, you can't kill it, uh, and, and that's, that's a problem. Um, So it it helps to look a little bit at the history that uh, Jim already outlined a little bit. Uh, supersymmetry goes back to an entirely mathematical idea, or actually I should say ideas, because it was simultaneously discovered by several people sometime in the 70s. And uh, it was then uh, recognized, as John already said, that it would make uh, a potential explanation for dark matter uh, and it would aid the unification of the interactions. And and that, I think, excited a lot of particle physicists. However, supersymmetry ran into conflict with experiment already um, in the 1990s, very early. And it then had to be fixed uh, by adding another assumption on top of it so that it would still be viable. And then it was expected to show up uh, at the Tevatron and at LAP and then ultimately at the LHC. And that um, was just not the case. And um, so I don't think that's particularly convincing uh, for a theory. Um, The other problem with supersymmetry is that you said in the introduction that it solves inconsistencies. It does not it is an entirely superfluous um, idea. It does not actually solve any problem. The only reason that um, a lot of particle physicists like it is that, as I keep saying, it's uh, pretty. Um, They were hoping it would solve certain problems, uh, but in the end, it turned out um, it did not. And uh, John uh, rather confusingly said that it helps you to calculate the Higgs mass. Um, this is just not the case. You can't calculate the Higgs mass with or without supersymmetry.
3: Okay, thank you very much. So uh, if, if I've understood you, basically, we we, we have a rather elegant, naive, and beautiful idea. I am hesitate to say theory because of what Jim said but certainly an idea. And it's beautiful when it springs out of the mathematics. So the, the, I suppose the question is, if supersymmetry was correct, um, John, w- wouldn't we have actually found convincing physical evidence by now, or do you think we have?
4: Well, I certainly don't think we found evidence for supersymmetry. So uh, at least I found uh, one point of agreement with the uh, other participants in the <laughs> debate. pretty much disagree with pretty much everything else. Uh, So uh, first of all, I think that the non-appearance of supersymmetry so far Uh, is not in conflict with with the theory or the idea, whatever you want to call it. Um, But perhaps I should first of all come back to uh, the the question, is supersymmetry dead? Mm. And uh, for that, I think I tend to agree with Sabina. I found a second point of agreement, uh, that it's it's not dead. I think I probably will die before supersymmetry does, okay? And uh, I think the reason for that is that uh, there's nothing in the idea or the I want to call it the theory of supersymmetry which tells you what the mass scale of supersymmetry should be. And uh, you know, we had some ideas about what it might be, uh, but all that we can do so far is to say that experiments have shown that supersymmetric particles have to be... More than something other, like a thousand times the mass of the proton, and so I, I, I disagree with the assertion that not finding it at LEP uh, killed the theory. There was no pr- prediction, solid prediction, that it should be detectable at LEP. Similarly with the Teratron. I would even say similarly with the LHC. I think that the uh, the, the best hints that we have about what the scale of supersymmetry might be if it exists are provided by dark matter and by grand unification, which uh, I mentioned, which also uh, Sabina mentioned. And uh, those suggest that it probably doesn't weigh more than maybe 10 TV, uh, but those arguments are not very precise. It's very difficult to be precise about what the SUSY mass scale might be. I tried once upon a time to do it. But uh, I, I don't believe that that attempt was, uh, was useful at all. But
3: John, is, isn't there a, a risk of, of it being that you're continuing to search under the, a lamppost because the light is on there, but, but it may not be the right place? I mean, is there some overwhelming reason why you think we should stick with this theory? Because if it's the wrong theory, then you're looking, you're looking under the lamppost, but that's not where the keys are.
4: Of course, we shouldn't stick with uh, just one theory. We should look at other theories. And uh, I have also, you know, philandered a bit with uh, other theories besides supersymmetry. Uh, And I remind you, as I I mentioned at the beginning that only 15% of my papers have the word supersymmetry or supersymmetric in in the title.
5: On on the note of uh, trying to find agreements, uh, I I entirely agree that um, the data from uh, Tevatron lab and the Large Hadron Collider did not kill supersymmetry, but exactly that's the problem. You can't kill this theory exactly because it doesn't make uh, any sensible predictions and because it was superfluous in the first place. So what you can do with this theory is that you can always take the part that you didn't need, like all these additional particles, and just say, whether well, they're just heavier than what we have seen. Mm-hmm. And that brings us back to the problem of uh, looking under the lamppost you know as as long as people were working on uh, the Tevatron, they had arguments for why it should be in this energy range and then as they were working at the large hadron collider they had um arguments for why it should be in this uh, range and now you say well there may be some arguments why it's more at something like 10 tv or maybe it's actually 100 tv and um yeah you know um, maybe we'll need a bigger collider right so that's the thing with this. This theory just make any particular prediction and then you can always move your expectations elsewhere. And that's just not good scientific procedure.
3: Hmm. Jim, I mean, is, is there some sense in which it's an enthusiasm for things which look mathematically beautiful?
2: So, Sabina has, has obviously published a, a great book called Lost in Math where she accuses uh, theoretical physicists of being obsessed with this notion of mathematical beauty. Mm. I, I, I I don't think it's that. I think beauty is simply part of uh, a set of metaphysical pre-commitments that some theorists have, in that they want, they want reality to conform to these sets of ideas because these sets of ideas work. They, they seem to be taking us towards a set of answers that would be much more satisfying in the current sense. And I, I can't, I can't argue that that's not necessarily the right way to be thinking about these things. But science is based on the notion of a relationship between ideas and empirical evidence. You need, you need facts. And I would appreciate, I do appreciate, that in a situation where you haven't had a, a fact beyond the Higgs boson, which doesn't tell you anything about these new ideas, then you're you're a little bit at sea. You you, you don't have facts that you can hang these ideas against. So you're trading these ideas, washing them back and forth, uh, producing really rather loose and speculative predictions, which can be quickly adjusted uh, uh, in the event that what you said might be there isn't found to be there. And, and so we keep going on perpetually around this, this, this loop. Now, I don't want John to stop publishing 15% of his papers on supersymmetry. John's a great theoretical physicist, and he deserves to be able to focus his attentions on what he thinks are important uh, pieces of theory to work on. What I'm looking for is a little bit more honesty and integrity about where we are. I'm not pointing the finger at John, I repeat it again, but there is a community of theorists, predominantly string theorists, I should say, who are quite happy to say this is the only way forward, this is the right answer, we need to keep plugging away at this, finding all sorts of lovely mathematical relationships, but relationships which cannot be connected in any way with anything that we can find in the empirical world. And and I, I, I think there's a problem here, and I think the first way you solve the problem is by acknowledging it
4: exists.
3: John? I mean, you're yeah. you, you're a you're not really so much a theoretician. You're a hands-on, practical experimenter. I
4: I don't actually do experiments. I mean, I talk a lot to people who who do perform experiments. It's true I've you know co-signed a, a handful of experimental papers, but uh, I would n- not claim to be an experimentalist. Uh, I've been kind of biting my tongue during this debate on a few occasions, and uh, let me now try to. Uh, Uh, respond to a few remarks. So so first of all, this lamppost business. You know, it's going to be very difficult to find your lamppost, your your, your keys, if they're not under a lamppost, unless you get a metal detector or something, (laughs) or unless you wait for the daytime. Uh, My own uh, point of view is that you should look under every lamppost and hope that day comes soon. And uh, I've tried to say repeatedly, I did not put all my eggs in the supersymmetric basket. I look under all all the lampposts. Um, I thank Jim for uh, qualifying his previous remarks about honesty and integrity and saying that they do not apply to me. Uh, I, I think there was a, not nice things, to, not nice words to bandy about. Uh, concerning my theoretical physics colleagues. And uh, if uh, Jim feels that way, he should direct those remarks at them and not produce them in a debate like this, whereas he says uh, the accusations of dishonesty and an absence of integrity apparently don't apply to me. Uh, I I agree that uh, often there is too much hype in particular, uh, about string theory. And uh, as I commented earlier on, I uh, was very interested in string theory in the 1980s, did a little bit of work on it in the 1990s, but basically have cooled off on it since, just because I find it very difficult to make empirical predictions in the area of fundamental science, fundamental physics. That's not to say that it doesn't have spin-offs in other areas of physics, Uh, for example the idea of holography I think largely emerged from uh, string theory Uh, and I know that Sabina likes holography, I'd be interested to know what uh, what she thinks about that. Even supersymmetry actually does have some applications in condensed matter physics, so it is true that these ideas don't have uh, any empirical evidence at the fundamental physics level but I think that they can give us interesting insights into other areas of physics. Can I just quickly, yes. quickly respond to that?
2: Please, yes. I, I, I feel bad about doing this, uh, but um, there was an interview with John published by CERN on the 10th of January this year. And I, I just wanted to quote something back. Uh, the question from the interviewer was, if supersymmetry is not a symmetry of nature, what would be the implications for attempts to go beyond the standard model, such as quantum gravity? And John's answer was, we are never going to know that supersymmetry is not there. I'm sorry, John, that's not a scientific statement. It's a metaphysical commitment. We might just as well say we're never going to know that God is not there. And, and when I mean integrity and honesty, I, I don't mean it in, an, in a sense of, of blatant lying or falsehoods. What I mean is is, is an honest evaluation of what the possible risks are of committing to this kind of metaphysics. We go this way, which means often the community of theoretical physicists don't go that way instead. And what are we losing out on by by being directed by those in authority, uh, those that tend to speak um, uh, with with the authority of church cardinals, perhaps, uh, within the theory community, Uh, They direct where young theorists are going to be interested in doing their research, doing PhDs, and a whole generation of theoretical physicists are now growing up with the idea that it's okay to produce this speculative stuff without worrying over much about whether it's ever going to connect with anything we can measure.
4: Um, I'm sorry, Jim. I must take us through with what you just said. uh, What I remember saying, what I think you also read out, is that I said that you could never be sure that supersymmetry was not there. I somewhat paraphrase, And I think that's rather similar to what Sabina also said earlier on. Okay. But, and I think it's correct. But that doesn't mean to say that you don't carry on looking for it.
3: Okay. Um, Should we, we move on to our second thing, which is, as, as I suppose, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an even deeper um, question, which is, could the standard model be fundamentally mistaken. I mean so some people seem to feel that we're at a point where we really do need to, to question you know the whole edifice. Um, Jim do you think that it's that we need to go that far or? Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm not, and, and
2: John will smile I'm sure when I admit this, I am not a professional theoretical physicist. Sabina is, John is, um, I'm not necessarily best place to judge. I can only give you an opinion based on having studied this area as an observer for um, uh, you know, a few decades. Um, I think it's, 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 a, it's a mistake to not try to build on foundations that we already have. But, and and I, I wouldn't know what the real answer to your question is, but when we talk about the standard model, I think we also have to respect what it is. Um, it is not some kind of unified structure where we have uh, an explanation for the behavior of electrons, uh, quarks, uh, and and all of the force particles that bind these things together and cause them to interact. It is actually three separate quantum field theories, um, and they don't join up. Uh, we, we've spectacularly failed to find a grand unified theory based on some magical symmetry that would bring all of these things under one roof, as it were. And, and that's clearly not right. I mean, I'm not saying that there must be a, again, it's a metaphysical commitment on my part to say somehow these things should come together. But intrinsically, it seems uh, foolish to declare that uh, these things should be forever separate. It, it makes no sense. We describe uh, quarks using, uh, based on the color force, using quantum chromodynamics. We also describe quarks through their behavior as with different flavors through what I tend to think of as quantum flavor dynamics, but it's electroweak theory. So, you know, somehow these have to join up. Mm-hmm. And I, I w- have worried for a very long time that in leaping to string theory, for example, which is underpinned heavily by supersymmetry, we, we're rushing for an answer, um, which, you know, which sweeps everything together rather than looking at this in small pieces saying, how can we how can we make this better joined up? Sabina. So, yeah. and there's no commitment to pay. So subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level.
5: Yes. Um, so, first of all, maybe let me say, uh, Jim, that I like the term uh, metaphysical commitments, and I agree that it's a better term than beauty, but you can't put metaphysical commitments on the cover of a book. Uh, that's That's why I'm talking about beauty instead. And now you, amazingly enough, you just dished up a lot of arguments from beauty, you know, uh, by by saying that uh, having these three symmetries sitting next to each other is clearly not right and they have to come together somehow and so on. And uh, so I just don't think that that's correct. You know, there is a priori nothing wrong with having uh, three different symmetry groups. Uh, You could say it's ugly. Maybe you don't like it. Uh, You don't want uh, nature to work this way, but it may well be the case. And who are we to tell nature uh, how it's supposed to work? Having said that, uh, we know that the standard model cannot be fundamentally right. So it's a good theory. Um, It explains everything that we have um, observed so far, but we also know that it has some loose ends. Um, Maybe the um, best known problem with the standard model are um, the masses of the neutrinos. Um, So we kind of know there has to be something more. Either the neutrinos are not the same kind of uh, fermions as um, the electrons and uh, muons and so on, or there have to be um, additional neutrinos that we haven't seen yet. So, so that's we, we know this. Um, the thing is, though, that um, there's no particular reason why we should find an answer um, to exactly what's going on with the neutrinos uh, in an energy range that is reasonably accessible in the next uh, hundred or two hundred years, something like that. Um, there are other problems with the standard model. Um, one is, for example, since you were speaking of these uh, three uh, symmetries, if you push it to very high energies. Things eventually start going wrong. Um, we also know that um, it, uh, it doesn't want to cooperate with gravity, which really it should. So, that's, that's this whole problem of quantum gravity. So, we do have real problems uh, in the foundations, and we know that that's not it. Uh, you know, there has to be more uh, than the standard model. Um, but, uh, supersymmetry really doesn't help with it. And uh, string theory was supposed uh, to be an answer uh, to all these problems, basically, but it didn't quite pan out the way that they hoped it would.
3: John, um, you you, you you've said before that you you know, you looked at string theory for a while, and you thought, mm, no, I'm, I'm not I'm not keen on string theory. You didn't think that's where you wanted to put your effort, particularly, but. Do you feel that whatever theory we're going to come up with is going to um, just clear up the problems in the standard model? Or do you think there, there is a chance that the standard model would be significantly reworked?
4: So uh, the, the, the question for this path of debate is, is the standard model mistaken? Mm. Uh, and I've uh, to give my answer to that. The answer is no. And uh, I would agree with what Sabina said, that it leaves a a lot of, uh, quote unquote, loose ends. So by uh, providing a quantitative basis for for large aspects of reality, it then provides a foundation for us to ask more ambitious questions. So I I would uh, include in my list of questions, uh, many of those that uh, Sabina mentioned. I have actually a standard list of seven of them. One is that within the standard model, if you try to extrapolate up to high energies, uh, it looks like the vacuum uh, is unstable. Uh, There's the problem of neutrinos that Sabina mentioned. Uh, There's a problem of the origin of the matter in the universe, which cannot be explained within the standard model. Uh, There's a problem of the size and age of the universe, ditto uh there's the nature of dark matter which i mentioned earlier on there's a the problem of, uh, of quantum gravity and and of course you know the standard model works but it has you know all these parameters in it. and uh you know we would like to have a theory which has fewer parameters but uh i sort of put that at the end of the list because uh, i think that's not you know such a, an empirical practical issue as the other ones that i mentioned I
3: mean, t- to an outsider, those sound like whopping big problems rather than loose ends. Or is that just how things seem when you're an outsider? Do they seem manageable? <laughs> so sort of when you say you, you know,
4: you know how it is. You find a loose end, and then you pull on it, and then the, the whole pair of trousers unravels, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was just wanted to come back briefly to
3: this I, this notion of, that that Jim's raised and um, about. uh, metaphysical commitment because in some way don't don't scientists have to be metaphysically committed to something because you 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 put your life into it so it's it's not it's not a a sin is it Jim, to to do that it's just something you have to be aware of
2: no i uh, don't don't get the idea that i I bandy the word metaphysics around as a pejorative term uh that's not that's not my intention um I, i I, 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 I try to think of, of theory building as a relationship between ideas and, and, and facts. Um, you, you, you bring I've, I've developed a very, meta, a very elaborate metaphor for this, which is in my latest book, but I won't distract you with it here. Effectively, the, the challenge of theorists is to bring these ideas, how they think nature is or how it works, together with the facts. And, and there's, a, there's an iterative process. We, we adapt the ideas in the face of the facts in the face of the ideas we go and look for new facts uh, and we learn something a little bit more as we go through this iterative process but but there are essential ideas that that in themselves will never be proven we'll, we'll never have evidence for them and in the way we use mathematics actually and sometimes some of the assumptions we make uh, are in effect metaphysical assumptions which will never be proven except when we put the whole lot together and we see that they do provide an adequate explanation or understanding of the facts. Then we call it a theory. We call it the standard model of particle physics. Um, so, so metaphysics is ingrained. It's a, almost a lubricating oil uh, that we need to make theories work. Um, and, and I think it's a mistake to think, well, if you just want to use the facts, then you become what's known as an instrumentalist. You don't care about understanding anything. You just want to crank a handle and make the right kinds of predictions. And no one gets any fun out of that. So let's not do that. <laughs> but, but we come to a point, though, where the, the blend isn't right. There's too much metaphysics. There's too much, too many of these metaphysical pre-commitments, and there aren't enough facts. So in this relationship, I, I, I point to Scylla and Charybdis. Uh, Scylla is instrumentalism. It's just using the facts to crank a handle. Charybdis is a wild whirlpool of metaphysical nonsense about the nature of reality. And I do feel that some theorists have been drawn into this whirlpool. They've got stuck in the ideas and have given up, in fact, trying to to (coughs) attach these ideas in any way to facts.
3: Thank you. Um, Let's move on to to our our last um, theme, which is uh, I'd like to come to Sabina, if I may. we've given the standard model quite a shake. Um, Do you think that there's a chance that we could rest the future of physics on different foundations?
5: Yes, certainly. As I said, um, the standard model has several problems that we know require a solution. So that just cannot be the end of the story. There has to be more. So I think the answer to this question is just, yeah, you know, we we need uh, other foundations. And uh, I guess in in contrast to... um, you know, by by my personal assessment, uh, most of my colleagues uh, in the foundations of physics, I I don't necessarily think that this theory um, will remain detached from uh, application in our everyday life. That's because uh, I think what's going wrong in the foundations of physics is that um, we fundamentally don't really understand how quantum theory actually works. And that's the theory which underlies basically all modern electronics. Um, so if we understand these theories better, um, I, I think it's you know a fair shot to think that it will lead to some practical applications eventually. But you know I'm not talking about what's going to happen in the next five years or ten years, but maybe more like a hundred or two hundred years, something like that.
3: Are there names of the 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 different routes to different theories that are being looked at? In other, in other words, can you say well, I think one of the foundations may spring from are there other avenues of research that people are already thinking this could lead to a new theory?
5: Well, I guess yeah, string theory would be one of them, right? I mean, there's uh, basically any approach um, to solving um, these inconsistencies. Um, that, that are all the approaches to quantum gravity, basically, and um, also in the in the foundations of quantum mechanics, you have people who work on um, finding what I would call a physical description of the measurement process so models with a spontaneous collapse, uh, something like this which uh, I know a lot of people are dismissive about but I think that that's the way forward. maybe not exactly these models that people are talking about right now but you know in principle the idea I think is is the right one. There's something lacking in the description of quantum theory um, that we have to better understand.
3: Did, if that's the case are people doing the wrong experiments?
5: Yeah, yes, yes so actually this this is a command which I didn't get to make about uh, your lamp post uh, <laughs> commands the The thing with the foundations of physics is that we get to decide where to put the lampposts. Um, Right? So if you build a bigger particle collider to study what's going on at high energies, that's what you're going to do. (laughs) And then that's where you're looking for the new physics. So we have to think very carefully about uh, what are the experiments that we spend money on. And for a long time, the trend has been to just go to smaller distances or higher energies. And uh, it looks to me pretty clearly that uh, right now this is just the wrong direction to go. There's nothing to find there. There, We have no reason to think that um, this is going to lead to progress right now. Uh, Instead, uh, it it seems to me we would be more likely to make progress looking at um, large composite systems. This is something that people are pushing in certain corners of quantum technology, but it's certainly something where we could be doing more, and it's also the story about dark matter is not remotely as simple as John made it sound in the beginning. We don't even know for sure that it's actually a particle. And um, there, there are certainly um, better observations that we could make uh, that would help us to at least figure out, uh, is it a particle or is it actually something about the theory of gravity that we're getting wrong? Uh, and so, so these are some loose ends where I think we could be doing more uh, that would be more likely to move us forward than you know trying to test supersymmetry over and over again.
3: I, I love the fact that just not understanding quantum quantum mechanics probably is just a loose end. That seems like a big old loose end. Uh,
5: yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, kind well, of in- interesting, though, uh, if I may add, that um, for, for a long time, you know, even, even when I was a student, it was kind of the foundation of quantum mechanics was something we're not really allowed to talk about because people would think hey, you're nuts. Um, but uh, now in, in the past decade or something, there have been so many new uh, experiments uh, and just uh, entirely new possibilities to test the theory that it has become OK again to talk about the foundation of quantum mechanics. Well, it I, I think that's a good trend.
3: Einstein said that he thought there was something but we didn't understand quantum mechanics and then every, everyone was rude about Einstein and I thought <laughs>
0: well,
3: there is something we don't understand about quantum
5: mechanics. Well there are lots of physicists who have said something like that. John, it's a what?
3: debate that's only
2: been raging for a hundred years David so don't, <laughs> don't worry about it we'll get there.
3: <laughs> John? You know,
4: I, I don't know whether people can see my t-shirt but I carefully chose the t-shirt.
3: Tell us, tell us what it means, John.
4: Oh well, it uh, it shows the uncertainty principle, uh, which of course, of course precisely is one of the bases of quantum mechanics, from somewhat over a hundred years ago. Anyway,
3: do you, do you agree that, that that we don't understand something in quantum mechanics, and that maybe this is a would be a good place to put a lamppost?
4: Well, I, I certainly would say that I don't understand <laughs> quantum mechanics. W- w- whether there is anything that to understand that nobody understands. I don't don't know. Uh, But uh, I mean, different people have different points of view on this. I mean, Einstein once uh, famously said that uh, he doesn't think that God plays dice with the universe. Um, People still nowadays uh, sometimes try to uh, resurrect uh, the idea that there might actually be a deterministic description down there somehow uh so uh toft is giving a talk at a virtual meeting where i'm speaking next week i think he's going to see something along those lines so it it's not something that i choose to spend a lot of time on because i don't see myself being able to very, make very much progress on it but i would certainly be in favor of uh, people uh, you know trying to find some lampposts in that direction and uh, and looking underneath them
3: jim can i ask you a question is there some sense in which the standard model, it's not so much that it would be wrong, but wrong in the way that, that um, Newton was wrong? It was just, it dealt, it did what it did in its area, but was superseded by something else. Bob, well, any of you, actually, is, is, is that a possibility? Rather than just saying, s- standard model is wrong, it yeah. sounds like we could throw it out. Whereas you could say, Newton was wrong.
4: Please don't say that Newton was wrong. Newton was right.
3: <laughs> uh, well, you know what
4: I mean. Uh, but, but well, I mean, well, no. Maybe you know what you mean, and maybe I know what you mean. But perhaps not everybody knows what uh, what we mean. So, so Newton's description was incomplete. Okay. So Einstein showed how to complete it. It's uh, probably not the full answer, but at least it uh, enabled uh, him and other physicists to make a number of predictions, which it turned out to be successful. So that seems to be a, a better theory or more complete theory than uh, than Newton's was. So in the same way, I, I regard the standard model as being you know, part of the way that the world works, but as we, as we discussed earlier on, it doesn't explain everything. In fact, it leaves a lot of open questions. And the fact that it works so well within its domain of applicability provides us with a solid foundation on which we can stand to formulate and ask those questions.
3: And on that note, can I just say thank you very much to to Jim? And John and Sabina. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy for Our Times. Remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen and tune in next week for more big ideas from the world's leading thinkers.